Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to a Monday morning, February 28th edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Happy birthday to Band at the Dock, a dog I got when I was 12 years old. That makes him 19 today. So shout out to my first dog, uh, Bandit, still back home in Atlanta, my parents. So shout out to Band at the Dock on the 19th birthday here on uh, the February 28th edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. On today's edition, uh, NBA Sunday Shootaround. Yeah, all things NBA with Corbin Ford. Uh, Lauren Gunn could not be with us this week, but she'll be back next week uh, on uh, on the show. But Corbin and I, we hit on a multitude of NBA things um, where we're at uh, with the, the home stretch here in the NBA season. Um, 20 or so odd games, storylines to watch, Markel Fultz being back for the Magic, the Bucks looking at Tariq Evans, who goes farther in a playoff series, Chicago or Miami, the Timberwolves figuring it out, Jokic and Embiid battling it out for the MVP, all that and more on this edition of the uh, NBA Sunday Shootaround here on the Chase Must Podcast, but uh, yeah, hey, guess what, you can watch this very podcast on YouTube, type in the Chase Must Podcast on YouTube.com today. Hit that subscribe button, thumbs up, share it out, all that good stuff. It would be great. Um, You can also, yeah, leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show and helps this show continue to grow. So I would appreciate if you could take care of that today. Uh, Also, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. Yeah, access to all of my previous episodes, everything you need to know about the show. And if you have any MBA questions or any general questions for me, uh, please make sure you email the show at ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. Here on the Sunday NBA shoot around, uh, we're it, like it's it's just Corbin Ford and I now. But shout out to Lauren Gunn who was going to be with us, but unfortunately because of some internet issues, she will not be here this week. But uh, Lauren will be back next week, fingers crossed. But you know what? We still got Corbin. You still got me for the NBA Sunday shoot around. Um, Corbin, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like you said, you know, uh, Sam and Solidarity, Lauren, but you know, next mm-hmm. week we'll have a lot of blasts on Sunday like we usually do. Aside from that, just fine. Can't complain. I have a question about the comics you got going on behind you, Corbin. Is yes. that, is there an uh, in game there? Is it going to just, and that wasn't an intentional pun. Is there going to be a point where you just fill out like the whole wall behind you with comics? So, like, okay. It's kind of a thing where, I mean, it's going to be a minute where it gets too big. This was a piece I did. I was a guest on a comic podcast. So I was like, let me okay. put myself on my wall. Um, so it was a temporary like set. But at the same time, after I get some some rare keys and some big issues I'm still looking out for, mm. I'll probably box them all up. I mean, I'm not really much of a collector. I like them for the stories. But over time, I've been able to be in communication with good friends to get some really rare copies. Can't get really get rid of them. So and I really want to resell them. I feel like that's not really, you know, honoring the gift, if you will. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's there's a clear. I love the pun. There's a clear end game to this. Probably when I can no longer like manage it by myself, we'll have to mm-hmm. put it up and 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 maybe keep it in the room or something. Okay. Are you so you're still a big comic guy? Do you you're still actively reading them? Is the yes, I, I am for the most part. I've kind of laid off of DC for a bit while they figure out what's going on. But they have a new, mm-hmm. they're killing off the Justice League in May. And they're doing a new dark crisis to add to their other crises that they've done over the year. So I'll tune in sometime again around the summer, like in mm. the just before summer league 
right after the free agency um, madness. But yeah, I would say I'm like, if you were to talk comics, I would have a decent understanding of some of the storylines. They just not been super great. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, so Corbin, how's your week been? How, uh, anything new in the last week since we, since we last recorded, it's actually been two weeks because we had the all-star break last week. So yes. I took last weekend off, I didn't do any podcast last weekend. So, hey, um, yeah, it was nice. It was Rest nice. Up. It was weird. It was weird not being productive on that front uh, for the weekend, but it was it was it was well needed. Um, what about you though? What uh, what is new in the world hmm. of Corbin Ford? Well, um, aside from you know taking a little hiatus from basketball, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know getting back, I got some deliveries I'm waiting on. I got a Malik Monk shirt. <laughs> I was really pumped on game. I got my Lakers socks. Those are oh, wow. the home variant. I'm wearing mm-hmm. giveaways right now. Like, I'm doing good on that side. I Now, you know, with the uh, announcement of NBA Summer League, I can start, like, looking forward to that, making plans to attend and, and connections and such there. So, I mean, it's been okay, you know, uh, on the home front, you know, just helping friends move and going through day by day. You know, that's that's really been it. But the week, it's been nice. I'm not going to lie flew by fast. Like, I'm not sure how these players, especially the ones who were in the all-star game, like LeBron and all, like you play on one Thursday, you really just get a week. Mm. And it, it really doesn't even feel like that. It's like, oh, no basketball. Oh, no basketball. Oh, we're back. So, you know, it was a blink of an eye. Now right back into it with the addition now, of course, of the NBA draft. So a lot of my energy is also looking at some of these guys past the top three to try to enhance my understanding and get on that. Kennedy Chandler, he's moving back into the lottery. People forget. People forget. After a great game and a great victory over the Auburn Tigers last night, Speaking oh of, yeah, it was it was quite great. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. Like Tennessee, it's been a great weekend. Like Tennessee has outscored the Iona Gales fifty something to one at this point. Wow. We won. Yeah, that's in baseball, sir. Like Tennessee baseball <laughs> is back, and uh, we're we're in everything school. And people forget that Corbin, that Tennessee <laughs> University of Tennessee is great. I got an email this week about preparing for. Um, graduation here in grad school so that was cool and i was like oh i'm almost done i gotta like prepare for uh the hooding ceremony and all that kind of stuff so i I have to make a decision if i'm gonna do it in may right before i'm done or in bad weather and stuff in december when i actually am done so i don't know i haven't decided do you have a perspective corbin what would you do would you do the graduation early or and do it with good weather and good pictures or would you wait until you're actually done the following semester and then get it done in the dark in the cold wet areas and right in front of tba what, what uh, would you do i i say you do it now and just don't look okay. at them like you know they're gonna come out great you know boom. Uh-huh. and then when you do experience it during that cold weather you'll be like wow like i did it and you'll have these nice cheerful pictures which you haven't really looked at to to take in like let a friend or like you take the pictures have them done let a friend mm-hmm. or someone check them out they're good okay great and then the surprise will be there for you so you're not re-looking at pictures and remembering a nicer, better time. You know, it's going to be like a, a brand new experience, quote unquote, for you. So I okay. would do that now. Don't, yeah, don't play games with that. It, you'll always look back on that as like, yeah, I graduated in this like grainy, sad weather. Yeah. You know, that'll be a memory that's going to be there. And now, you know, you can look back and maybe your eyes will trick you. You'll be like, you know, I did this a little early and I'll remember how beautiful the, the weather was and had a nice lemonade or whatever the case may be. I think mm-hmm. you should do the former. Okay. All right. There we go. Corbin Ford. He's spoken. <laughs> um, Corbin, your favorite NBA storyline that you're watching down the home stretch here. So we've got 20 or so odd games uh, left for a lot of these teams. Uh, the Hawks are already back. They blew out the Raptors, um, lost to the Bulls. Kind of just that same kind of thing for me, um, for them. But for your team, the, the Los Angeles Lakers, they're in the same spot as the, the Hawks. But outside of our teams right now, um, who are you? who are you monitoring? Who 
who has your interest? What storylines have your interest at the moment? I think we're looking at the the race for me in the West, who is going to stay safe in that top six and who is going to be in that playing tournament. Um, you look at, you know, the top six are safe. So the Suns right now, there's like a mini uh, little intrigue there between the Warriors and the Grizzlies over chasing the number two seed uh, as the Grizzlies are one game behind um, the Warriors in the win column, but three games back in the loss column. Uh, but then you have the Jazz, the Mavericks. They're, they're several steps back. They're not going to have to worry about that. But they're mostly safe in that play-in, I mean, in that locked-in playoff spot. But once you get past these initial five teams, then it gets a little interesting, initial six, really. The Nuggets are 35 and 25. That's okay. I mean, they're closer to the Mavericks than they are to the Timberwolves. But the Timberwolves at number seven have been, you know, pretty solid. I mean, they're still a horrible team. They're the Timber Pups on the second half of back-to-back, uh, as we saw quite clearly against the 76ers. But, like, they have – they, I think we can safely say they've been legit this season. So they're sitting at 32-29. and 29. Right beneath them, you have the Clippers at 31-31. They've just been just at 500, slowing in. They're still a tough team. Uh, my leg is going to test to that. We are, I mean, going to definitely be in that playing spot. Um, unless we slip further, we're definitely not getting the sixth seed, unfortunately. So you have that. The Blazers, I'm not too worried about because they're at 25 and 35 underneath the Lakers, but they're actively trying not to win. You already heard that Yusef Nurkic will miss about a month with a plantar fasciitis injury, uh, plantar fascia injury that he didn't have apparently before the All-Star break. And now he does and is going to be out for a significant period of time. So the Blazers are already kind of trying their course of action. And and that's toward maybe Kennedy Chandler. I don't know. Well, probably not between Dame and and, and Anthony Simon. No, they just want a lottery pick. They're just, there you go. They do not want the plan. Like they do not want it. No. And the, they're just asking the Pelicans and the Kings to take this. Like take exactly. this spot. We do not want this. But the Kings and the Pelicans. I don't know. Like they yeah. have to start winning some games. They have exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. But they have a tough I mean, schedule down the stretch. Both those teams, I don't think, have the best schedule to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That would be funny. The Blazers just being like, I don't want this. I don't want this. And they Please. just get forced into. Have you looked at some of the, like, I think I was it Thursday or Friday? Because I like when you go through, you know, we don't have time to watch every team, but I'll go through uh-huh. the box scores of teams I don't have time for. Mm-hmm. And the Blazers rotation right now is I like it. I don't know who half of these players are at the moment. Like it's it's yeah. unreal who they're throwing out. They're trying not to. Wait. It's Anthony Simons and do you, who is this person who's popping who, up here? Who you play for? Yeah, exactly. It's it's wild. Um, it's funny too. How do you feel about LeBron having to uh, admit that he was he was incorrect about the plan because this is something that he has to do because if the Lakers don't have the plan and LeBron was very anti-plan when it came out, guess what? LeBron misses the playoffs this year. Like he is not a playoff team this year without the plan. The plan is literally his saving grace to keep this playoff streak alive. Do you think he'll say anything about it where he's like, I, I was wrong. I get it now. Do you do you think? No, probably not. I highly, highly doubt it. I mean, this is the same guy who, let's be real, like had a big part in the way the roster is looking right mm-hmm. now and blamed everyone with the exception of himself for the way that it's kind of going about. Like, LeBron has done a lot of things really well over the course mm. of his career. Accepting blame is not one of them. Accepting criticism is a very clear difference. I think he's done okay with that to a certain extent. But accepting blame, like when the, the GM goes wrong, awry, no, I don't think so. So, like, I, I doubt that he will. I think he'll, like, make something, maybe a, a backhanded joke or something, acknowledging that, hey, you know, it, it is saving my skin right now. Um, but without really, like, blaming or not really calling to light his – uh, disliking of that provision and just going to say, oh, something like we got to put our head down and, you know, get to work and get these wins, blah, 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 LeBron. Like, that's what we're probably going to get. And 
I'm okay with it. Like, we get it. I wasn't a big fan of the play in tournament, too, given where the Lakers were two years ago. Like, yeah, they're a team that didn't deserve to be there. But, like, right now, they most definitely do deserve to be there. And like you said, if they didn't have it, then the Lakers would be, like, safely not making the playoffs. So, I, I think he should take some humble pie. But will he? Listen, love LeBron. That, I don't know if, if humble is what I would say. <laughs> uh, you know who doesn't? Uh, who LeBron doesn't love? It's uh, Bill Aram at the athletic those comments this week that was wild uh lebron man going after the athletic for only negativity uh he's clearly going through it it's like bill aram is not the problem man like i I don't think uh that's been the case all year it's only negatives i think it's probably more than that um well this is a heartwarming story or maybe not even heartwarming but just good to see is that like the Orlando Magic are an awful basketball team. They have been an awful basketball team for a significant period of time now. Um, you had a game last night where Jalen Suggs off a fast break. Did you see this off the steal where he threw it off the backboard and dunked it home in the middle of the mm-hmm. game? They were up like eight points. Yeah, And I was like, oh, I, this is bad. I I don't know if you're, is this like me being old where I'm like, oh no, what are you doing? Like this, like y'all are the worst team in the East right now. And this mm-hmm. is the, the Rockets you're doing this to. And Dennis Schroeder's like trailing in transition. And um, I don't know, Jalen Suggs, I like as a player, but I, I was like, oh man, I guess. But then the other part of me is like, you got to find joy when you're a terrible team. And it's just, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. But I was, of that. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's, it's one of those unwritten rules that I actually subscribe to. Like, yeah. game's over, dog. Like, I get, like, yeah, you can do it, but why? You yeah. know, like, especially given the situation that you're in. Like, it's one of those things that if you do it, like, it says more about you than yeah. about somebody else. Because if you're a good team, then you don't really care. You're used to this. Like, you don't yeah. have to show off. We've been here before. And if you're a bad team, you should kind of be happy that you won to begin with and maybe not rub it in by, oh, yeah, we're showboating now. Like, like that's where I feel. So if you do it, you're a team that I think it, it's a show of insecurity. You know, and this Magic team, I, I know we're going psychoanalysis here on unwritten <laughs> sports rules, but like, mm-hmm. I think this Orlando Magic team is an insecure basketball team. And, and, and listen, you have a rookie trying to find his way. Hey, I can get a cool dunk off. Let's do it. It's the Rockets. Like, who's going to say something? They suck too. You know, it sucks. But at the same time, I mean, I guess it shows some spunk, fire, swag. I, I don't know what other words you're looking for for an injection. Okay. That was like his only two points that night. Like, that yeah. was <laughs> like, not it, been great from the field this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, speaking of the reason I brought that up and the magic up is Markel Fultz is coming back. He tore his ACL. It feels like forever ago in January of 2021. And I mean, we, we don't have to relitigate all of his, like just what came into the league, what he was, what he could have been. Um, he was a good player for the magic last year. Like he was figuring some stuff out. Like he's not going to be an all-star. He's not going to be a superstar in this league. That seems like that book is closed, but he is a good player and he would have been nice for them to have this year. And in that rotation, it would have been a lot more interesting to see how they would do a three guard lineup of Fultz, Suggs and Anthony and just seeing what those like how they stagnate those guys and how that would work and just seeing what how Markel Fultz fits with these two young guards. Like, does he fit like th- those kind of things? There's little little things that I would be curious to see. And now he's coming back and we're going to be able to see some stuff because the magic kind of need to know what Markel Fultz is uh, because they have to make decisions on Cole Anthony and they have to make a decision on um, Jalen Suggs and where his best fit is like, what kind of player is he going to be in the backcourt? Um, they need to know some of this stuff. So they needed to know where they, where they stand on, on this little bit, but what are you most excited about with Markel Fultz coming back for the Orlando magic? I think for me, it's, how he looks, like you said, mm-hmm. need to evaluate 
where he is. Now, yes, you have him on the contract. I would say he's him and Jonathan Isaac are the most interesting guys that we need to see where they are, even though we have them for a little bit of time. Um, uh, Mark Fultz did sign that it was a three-year, $50 million extension in December of 2020. Uh, he was averaging, what, like somewhere around 12 points and five assists. I think it was like, yeah, 14, six, and three. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was fine. Exactly. So so he was doing great, you know, um, but when, great considering what he's overcoming injury-wise. Let me say that. He had the mm-hmm. thoracic thoracic oh i don't know how to say it either I don't know jurassic <laughs> thoracic thoracic outlet symbol syndrome mm-hmm. that's what we call it but basically it meant if you didn't know everyone knows it messed up his ability to shoot um mm-hmm. he went from someone in the draft who was a very common three-point shooter to someone who doesn't take a three at all barely um when he does he's like 25 percentage so like the fact he had found himself into a, a really good mid-range guard still penetrating still getting more confidence and and, and getting um, others involved in being the playmaker that many thought he would be is great that injury knocking him out for a year is not super good. But in this case, I think, hey, you bring him back. It's an ACL injury. So seeing how he comes back, seeing if he still fits with this young guard rotation that they have, because you do have, of course, Jalen Suggs. You do have Cole Anthony, you know, RJ Hampton somewhere there. Like, you have these guys. So does Marco Fultz still fit in on this? If not, then like, you know, he's still young. You know, you play him, uh, see maybe what happens in the offseason, see if maybe you could trade him for something. If not, you want to keep him around um, and, and kind of see his fit alongside these two guys. Make it work. I'm not overly optimistic about that, to be totally honest with you. But, like, Marco Fultz is young enough in time long-term that it would work if another team was intrigued by the prospect of what he could become. You know, I think there's still some potential there, even if it's not quite as untapped as it was before. So, if I'm Orlando, look, you're 14 and 47. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's going to make a second-half comeback. Like, you were dead last in the East. Everyone knows this. This is a chance for you to get out there, get your confidence back, rediscover your game, rediscover some continuity with your teammates. Um, and build some continuity with your teammates with other guys who you've not played with and just see where that goes. And I think that's what Orlando should do. Let's really just look to the 2022-2023 season and build more toward that. And and where does Fultz fit in that? I think he has a significant advantage right now over someone like John Isaacs, who is still mysteriously out. Um, This is pretty interesting. I'm going to throw this at you. So the on-off uh, per 100 possession to the Magic right now, Franz Wagner is plus 6.3. Gary Harris plus 1.9, but he's gone. Cole Anthony plus six. Wendell Carter plus 7.3. And yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting that those those three um have played pretty well, uh, all things considered. But yeah, I don't know. Like they they're just a weird team. And Mobamba figuring some stuff out has been nice this year, but they still have not been good. Like they're still minus 5.9 per hundred possessions with him. And then just the on court, it's minus 12.6 or 12.0, which is one of the worst outside of RJ Hampton on this team of their consistent role role players. But I don't know. Like I'm interested to see how he fits because Cole Anthony has played almost exclusively at the point guard spot. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't play anything. He is not an off ball player whatsoever. And I don't think Markel Fultz can work as an off-ball player. So I'm curious to see how uh, Jamal Mosley uh, figures out this rotation down the stretch and how much opportunities he gives to to Fultz here because it, uh, it'll it be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, Tyreek Evans, remember him? Do you remember Tyreek Evans? He's back. Yeah. It's been a minute, but it looks like he's coming back. He's already been uh, cleared to come back after um, coming back from his violation uh, that put him out for what almost three years Mm -hmm. he almost got a three-year ban and uh he's still somehow only like 32 i looked at i was like how old is tyreek now and he's i mean he's everyone's favorite he's nba twitter's favorite rookie of the year like that was something when it was just like that 
that rookie year in Sacramento, it was like, oh, the triple double mm-hmm. machine and everything. It was like, oh, who can Tariq Evans be? Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bucks, they work him out. We don't know if they're going to sign him as of this recording. Um, do you think he makes sense in what Milwaukee needs? And uh, do you think he, he could actually play for somebody at this point in his career? I'm not going to lie. It really depends on how he's been kind of overseas. You know, uh-huh. um, I've seen bits and clips and highlights YouTube wise, but like I, I would be lying if I said like I watch full games mm. when he last played um, in Memphis. So, you know, he played Indiana last, but the year before they played mm. Memphis, he had a very good year. Um, he was really the one bright spot in a, in a pretty morbid uh, Memphis season where, you know, they were just letting go of Mike Conley and uh, Marcus Gasol was on the way out. And just they were doing that in the middle of their reset. But Tyreek Evans was that one consistent spark capable of on ball um, offensive creation, off-ball, three-point shooting juice. Like, he brought it all um, and was a big tra- can to be traded. It never happened. Indiana was so-so. And then, you know, we have what we have here. So it's really what year <laughs> what year of Tyreek Evans are you going to get? What type of player is Tyreek Evans now? He's become more of a competent three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Someone who can play more on-off-ball. Because there is, si- and there is room for, like, a jumbo kind of size playmaker that Tyreek Evans always been with the addition of being a much better shooter than historically he has been through his career. So if there is a role for a player like that, which there is. And if he is said player, which we don't know, he has been for years, then like there's a shot, you know, and mm. uh, for a team like the Bucks, listen, you got a guy, he's 6'6", 220. You can play between point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. Like that is really good um, on like additional offensive creation, offensive facilitation across the board. You know, it's just, are we getting the guy who shot um, 39% from three on five attempts per game? I mean, the guy who got 30% from three on two attempts per game, you know, 22% from three on one and a half. Like, where you, I think the outside shot is going to be the biggest barometer. Uh, and then I think on a much lesser extent, because Memphis is a very stout defensive team, what are you going to provide on the other end of that? You know, like, it has been a couple of years. He's still been playing. Has his, some of his quickness been sapped a little bit there? Um, you know, he's a guy who reco- uh, relied more on, I think, his physicality and his just profile than any, like, specific athletic, like, oh, he was blazing fast like a Russell Westbrook. But, what do we see? I think that's the biggest question. The talent has always been there. The intrigue has mostly been there. But again, it's been a couple of years. So it's like I hate to make another Lakers generalization comparison, but I really don't. You know me. When mm-hmm. Darren Collison retired, mm-hmm. you know, and then he came back that one year he was flirting with the return of the Lakers and we're like, oh, my God, there was like all these thing pieces and all these like videos about Darren Collison and what he's going to be when he comes back. And it was really intriguing. Like, oh, my God, he could be like the key to us going back and winning the championship 2021 or 20. Yeah. 2020. That is, we ended up winning it without him. Fine. 2021. He sits out fine. And then this past year, he decides to come back. Not as much intrigue, but we're still like, Oh wow, this could be Darren Collison. And then he comes back and it's like, yeah, it's been a while, you know, like Tyreek Evans. It could be a, it's been a while moment because playing overseas is great, but playing the NBA is just a little bit different, whether that's for good or for bad. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't think it's a, I don't think he's the missing piece here. And I mean, like he should potentially help with Connaughton being out until it looks like right before the end of the season. Um, they could always use like mm-hmm. George Hill, just miss some time. Like they could use another ball handler. They could use that. But I think a lot of it is just that like for me and I, like the best case scenario is he feels the Dante DiVincenzo role potentially where he just wasn't right and was really bad for them in 340 minutes this year. And uh, like the, if he can fill that spot, like that would be nice um, mm. off the bench for them. Just another guy in that nine to 10 spot in their rotation. But my thing with the Bucks is like all that's whatever it it's Brooks health. Like Brooke 
still just being gone has been the difference with them this year and why they're only 10 games over 500 as of this recording is that like they're just thin and Serge Ibaka they need a lot more from him because he has not been good uh since coming over and that was a big trade for them at the deadline and they really need a lot out of out of him they've had to they've thrown out cousins they've thrown out Greg Monroe like they've thrown out a lot of different bigs trying to make this work um, without Brooke Lopez, uh, who had back surgery, and he's still a ways away from returning. So the Bucks' title odds, it's kind of interesting that a lot of it depends on <sighs> Surge figuring it out and or just being healthy and playing better. But also they need Brooke back. Like without Brooke, I don't know if they can do it. Like I don't know with the way they play with the drop coverage and all that. I don't know if the Bucks can repeat without it like it's kind of wild that he's that important but when i think about when i see the target stuff i'm like it's more the bigs like they really needed a big to fill that brook spot and they just if abaka is not going to be it man i don't know i'm i'm pretty nervous about milwaukee even just getting out of the first round wow i mean it's possible i'm not gonna lie they definitely don't look um they can get the sixers in the first round that that can happen that's not a great matchup yeah no no it's not because again joel Embiid as a big Giannis can only do so much James Harden on the other end, just, I mean, come on. He, he mm-hmm. come on. So, no, I, I 100% agree with you there. That's not exactly ideal. And you're right. Like, he was truly the anchor of that mm-hmm. Bucks defense in a way that Giannis, as good as he's been, kind of got some DPOIs, I think, because of, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it freed him to do more. Now, Giannis has to be more of an on-ball kind of guy, and it, it's a lot to manage, as as we can see here. So, yeah, I, I don't think that he's a missing piece, but also I'm going to put a counterpoint. I don't think that there is a missing piece. Okay. For Milwaukee this season. If it's if Brooke Lopez was that piece, you know. So Jabaka to me certainly is not that guy. He's not been the rim uh determined that he has been in years past. He's not the three-point shooting guy that Brooke Lopez has made himself into. He's like a B minus version of both of those. Um mm-hmm. to whatever Brooke Lopez was. C minus on the defensive part. He's really not that guy like that anymore. Back injuries, I think, have hampered some of his effectiveness on that end. So you don't have that. You know, Brooke Lopez yeah. not walking through that door. You know, you're not getting a younger version of of um, I'm not even sure which guy. Oh, George Hill. George Hill would be mm. a perfect fit if it was George Hill of 2017, not George Hill of 2022. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I it's, it's it's jarring when you said, hey, they could lose in the first round, but, like, they could. <laughs> they could. Um, That would be wild, but it's in play. The East is going to be a bloodbath. Um, Who can, speaking of the East, as of right now, they're a game of apart. Um, there's been different takes like the beginning of Giannis calling the heat a bubble team. You have questions about Miami questions about Chicago sitting at the top of the standings. They're not the Sixers they're not the Nets they are not the Bucks. It's not the same kind of cachet. There's not the same sort of star power at the top, but then I don't know, man, DeRozan's been one of the best stories in the NBA this year. Um, Jimmy Butler just doing what Jimmy Butler does and bam at a bio, just taking it to another level this year for Miami. Um, both teams, I think, are built for long postseason turn, but I don't think both will. I think one will be the one to figure it out and to go farther than people expect, and the other will not. I just, I don't know who it is at the moment. You could talk me into either, man. Like, the Bulls are, they're still probably going to get Patrick Williams back before the end of the season. They have a bunch of depth. Like, AO has been an incredible rookie for them, so we'll see if that carries over into the postseason. But then you have just the the veteran know-how in Miami and Spo and I... I don't know, man. Like I, I go back and forth on who I believe is more like it. Cause I think one of these two will make these their conference finals. And I just, I go back and forth on which one is more likely. Like still I'm going to lean Miami, but for you, who are you more of a believer in, in the postseason based on what you've seen to this point, Chicago or Miami? 
Well, I'm actually going to give a shout to answer this question. Shout out to uh, Cody Westerland um, on Twitter at Cody Westerland. He put together this stat that really cemented how I feel about okay. the, the Bulls. And um, it's this, is that the Bulls are now 2-12 and 12 against teams with a 60% winning percentage or better. Oof. 0-2 versus the Heat, 0-3 versus Sixers, 1-1 versus the Cavs, 0-1 versus the Bucks, 0-1 versus the Suns, 0-2 versus the Warriors, 0-2 versus the Grizzlies, 1-0 versus the Jazz. So you look at those teams. Take in mind what you said earlier about the East being a bloodbath. You are a combined 5, 6, 7, love math. You are combined 1-7 and seven against teams you might play in the playoffs. No, mm. I don't think it goes well for you. Even with even with the addition of uh, Patrick Williams, that's a lot to put on a second-year player. And I'm just saying it's a lot to say, hey, you are here to save us. Now, mind you, the addition uh, and the return there of, of course, Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso will help for sure. You're playing guys, heavy minutes, who are probably best suited in backup roles, you know, energy, spark plugs, that sort of thing. And, you know, you bring some more defensive intensity between those two, you bring an additional shooting as well. But I've always thought that there was a clear line Mm. between where teams like the Heat are and teams like the Bulls are. And I think the Bulls are, like, safe in that two to four range. I didn't mm. seriously think they were a number one team like that. I've been, like, pleasantly surprised. I love DeMar DeRozan, love Zach Levine. I love the way that they have played. But, like, they didn't pass the smell test for me. It's like, oh, okay, well, this is what it is, and and that is it. But it's not like, oh, yeah, they're going to hold through. You know what I mean? Mm. So, that listen, two and 12, that the numbers don't lie. Like, there there is a trend there, and I think that – if you were to look at who's played and who hasn't played, regardless of it, the point is it's a lot of losses. Um, and guess what? You're not going to have, you know, the Kings and um, Lakers and other teams to beat up on come playoff time. Like, you're going to have these squads we just mentioned um, to get out the East. And then potentially one of those four teams, most certainly, if you were to face in the West. So if you can't cover it now, you know? Man, <sighs> I don't know. I just am excited to see it. Like, I think I'm more excited to see what the Bulls look like at full strength in the playoffs. Like you said, I want to see what happens with Zach Levine in this group and what kind of leaders Zach Levine and DeRozan are in a seven game series. I want to see. We haven't seen this like this is we've seen the Heat do this. We saw them do this in the bubble. We've seen the Heat go on these kind of runs. I don't like Chicago. Like you said, the numbers don't like the win percent. It's kind of funny because Chicago White Sox, what you're describing, kind of had the same season in 2021 where Chicago won the AL Central with relative ease. They just beat down the AL Central around them, but then they had this poor record against teams above 500 and had a poor record against the playoff teams that actually faced up against, and they lost their first uh, first round series. So. I don't know. Maybe there is some crossover. There was the t- city of Chicago beating up on the the worst teams and then losing to the teams that are better. But we shall see. We shall see. I, I tend to agree with you, though, uh, on that front. Um, the Timberwolves, though, are they figuring it out? Are the Minnesota Timberwolves, they beat the Sixers. Uh, D'Angelo Russell playing pretty well. You got a starting five that fits pretty nicely at this point. Um, they're not deep. They're not the deepest team. Like, uh but, you know, they're playing good basketball. They're firmly in that seven spot. Like, is this a team good enough to give some give some serious concern to a team like Golden State if they don't have Draymond? Like, if Draymond's still not right with his back, um, are the Timberwolves a little bit feisty? Like, Anthony Edwards, man, I love Ant. And some of the stuff that he does, which is full, that he's not just a scorer, where he'll do stuff on the stat lines where it's like, even if his shot's not going, he's passing really well. He's playing hard defense. Like, Anthony Edwards does other stuff. Um for them which is important but what do you what do you think about the timberwolves as of right now 
I am of the mindset that they are a team that's legit. I think we, and when I say legit, I mean like a legit 500 team, like a legit, legit playoff contending. Like they're no longer pretending. Like they could actually fight for that spot. And yes, it would be very much like they were in 2018. You know, like ultimately a good tough first round. They kind of scrapped. They barely made it. You know, and then we'll see what happens. I don't think they get past the first round, but they could give a team a fight, a scare, and give some hope that hey, we can build on this for the season after. I think you nailed the the, the nail on the head when you mentioned Anthony Edwards and just how he's been a lot more than just a scorer. Really improved across the board uh, for a number uh, in ca- of categories for him. But I think that he needs to definitely kind of get going on the offensive end. Um, over his last, like I think. Five games, he's been a combined six of 38 from the field and one for 21 from three. Um, so it's been a massive struggle for him on that end, regardless. Uh, at the same time, like the, the continuity between the team has been well. You have had major uh, performances from D'Angelo Russell in the fourth quarter. Carlton Towns has played very well. You have guys in limited spots because they are thin, like Jared Vanderbilt, um, like Pat Beverly, who've come through and, and helped the Wolves as well in different categories. Um, Nas Reed has been good. So you have spots. I'm not saying this is a, like you said, after you get past the main three, yikes. And if you really have a bad shooting night from one or two of them, like curtains, you know, for that squad. But Coach Finch has instilled some really solid defense principles. I think you've had internal development on that end from a guy like D'Angelo Russell, from a guy like, yes, Conte Towns and Anthony Edwards. And I think that has raised the collective ceiling of this team. Um, even if it's not much more than it was before, we're looking at like away from the Kings and the Pelicans of the world and more now, you know, with the Lakers and the Clippers of the world, um, given where they are this year in terms of that playoff balance. Vanderbilt's been really good for them, and he's still just 22, 127 right. offensive rating when he's on the floor for them. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns, his defense, like it has to be better. Like the mm-hmm. defensive rating is 109 when he's yeah. on the floor for them this year. So um, I think he's been uh, a lot better. It's interesting, though, like guys like Okogi are just gone in the rotation. And uh, Torian Prince is just an empty calorie guy, and he's not someone you can count on. Uh, but I like Nas Reed a lot. Nas Reed, I think, is a really good player. Um, but I, I am interested to see what happens. Like that would be cool. Uh, the D'Angelo Russell revenge series against Golden State, maybe. Maybe that's what mm, we get a little listen, bit. Listen, that'd be a little fun. You're right. You're right. I'd like to see him go off him versus Curry. Curry win. Exactly. Anthony Edwards, though, he is a team high plus nine point two per hundred possessions. Wow. Yeah. Anthony Edwards, man, he's he's a good player. I'm excited to see what's going on in Minnesota down the stretch here. Um, with twenty games or so to go, Corbin, are you leaning Jokic? Or Embiid for MVP and why? I'm leaving Embiid. I'm leaving okay. Embiid. I think that he's been. I think he should have won last year. Injuries kind of took him out of the race there. So I'm taking a little bit of that, but also the fact that he's been healthier this year. He's building off his dominant performances. He's been clearly the main cog in a 76 team that I think has, considering expectations, considering the media swirl they've been around, I think that they have really outlived their potential at least for now. Now you bring in James Harden, who I think can only accentuate. Uh, I think it's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's early. And I can only add to um, Embiid's game. I really lean that way. Listen, Jokic's been great. But, like, I'm looking right now in basic math. You have a team that is a higher winning percentage. You have two teams, two guys that are playing very well. One, Both guys are valuable to their team winning, but one team is winning more. I'm looking at Embiid, and I think that, listen, Jokic had his time. If Jokic wins, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, that was horrifying. Like, no, definitely not. Both guys are deserving, but I think that Embiid has just been more impactful for a squad and, and quite frankly, more dominant over the course of the season um, than Jokic. And, and that's not by much, but that's my personal opinion. 
Okay. I'm still going Jokic. I just think that the fact that they're number six right now, they're 10 games over 500 with just the injuries they've had around him this year and what he's still able to do with this group. Like, I I mean, when some nights when Frank Compazzo is your second best player, like Jokic keeping it going. And I don't know, but then you're also like Embiid hasn't had Simmons. Like he just had one of his best players just not play with him this year. Um, and you've seen some of the rotations that they've had to throw out around Embiid this season. Um, he still had to do it. Like, you, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Um, I still think it's going to be Embiid. I don't think they want to go back to back with two different guys. Um, I don't think they want to go Giannis twice and then Jokic twice. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But also, it's like Embiid's going to get one. It has to be this year. Like, I, I think this is, uh, this is a time when Embiid really needs to get it. Like, time is of the, the essence, and Embiid definitely needs this. Um, we'll end on this, Corbin. Uh, the best piece you read in the MB- on the NBA in the past week. Who was it? This is kind of a cheat. So I've been reading a few good pieces like online. Um, the mm. best thing that I was able to read, though, it's a plug to my friend Niku um, on Twitter at Niku Mystery. Uh, he puts out these NBA almanacs every year. Mm. And I was talking to him because I haven't ordered this year's almanac, but I was looking through last year's. And you can get this. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you can get like the Google Drive version. It's really just a document of everything that goes on in the NBA. You have all like the signings and um salary cap figure for those who can see you know the numbers the stats all of that i was looking at it as a frame of reference to look at you know my favorite pastime where the lakers going wrong and so i was looking at some of the offensive numbers from last season um compared to what i'm seeing this year and i was using his um almanac with his book to do so and i found it very interesting aside from that i would recommend two pieces on the athletic one by sam amick uh, describing the meeting that Rich Paul and Lakers brass had that was over two hours uh, to clear the air about LeBron after the comments that he gave over All-Star Weekend. Um, another piece I would, re- I would recommend is by the excellent John Krasinski, um, also on The Athletic, and this was about how the Timberwolves had to find a way to get Anthony Edwards going um, and the struggles mm. he's had uh, alongside them But while they try to find their identity, how he is a key piece of jumpstarting that. Also, Mm-hmm. One additional piece, excuse me, by Krasinski, excuse me, that I enjoyed a lot. Um, it was a couple weeks ago, but if you look at the athletic uh, NBA Timberwolves, you'll see it. Uh, it's called A Prophecy Fulfilled, Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins together again at All-Star Weekend. It was really emotional of a piece, just from someone who is into the human nature part of it, because you talk about these three kids who all joined the team, you know, missed different circumstances, whether you were traded, Andrew Wiggins, drafted late in the lottery, um, Zach Levine, or joined the year after Carlton Towns, number one overall pick. How they all thought, you know, listen, under um, Coach Flip Saunders, we're all going to build this team up. They all had houses picked in the same neighborhood to grow together, um, and how they all end up having to find success in their own ways apart, and then unified again at the All-Star break. It was really kind of cool to see um, the fact they were all well aware of their journey was really neat. And it was a really, really well done piece. So I think that would be my number one um, overall. But it's been a good week of NBA reading. It has. Um, I'll go with uh, David Thorpe, friend of the pod, Coach Thorpe. Uh, he had a full breakdown of Bronny. Um, the pe- the mm. piece is called Can Bronny Play? And he did a full deep dive into what kind of player he is, what kind of player he can be. Um, Kobe White was a strong comparison that he has for Bronny, which was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really good piece that I would highly encourage uh, folks to read about whether or not Bronny is built for the NBA, if he's an NBA player, what kind of basketball player he is. 
Uh, big takeaway though is he's a winning basketball player and uh, just kind of he's he's more of a distributor. He's more of a um, he just knows where to put the basketball. He knows how to engage his teammates. He knows how to uh, play the game the right way. So Bronny, it was it was very informative. I learned a lot about uh, what to expect from him and if he can be an NBA player. But uh, a lot of it comes down to where he plays college ball. Uh, mm-hmm. From Thorpe is like who he plays and where he gets in the rotation and stuff that he has to learn because he's not an aggressive scorer and he kind of needs to become that a little bit um, to get on the radar. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens there, but. Uh, it, to add a lot of context to what kind of player he's going to be was pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, Corbin, what can the good folks check out from you this week? Um, Definitely make sure to check out round ball ramble, uh, Mm -hmm. wherever you find it. We ramble about the round ball really (laughs) cool there. So check that out. Um, Also, I am starting a great series on my other podcast. Let's make moves with my friend, Josh Earl, um, where we are doing a deep dive into executives. Um, We're starting just there career as an executive during certain tenures of the career, highlighting good, bad, or indifferent in terms of moves they made uh, to go towards roster construction and how there are lessons from that that can be pulled into today. Um, and so the first one we're doing will be dropping this Friday. It's going to be on Isaiah Thomas and his Knicks tenure, which, haha, <laughs> you know, a lot of fun there. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, aside from that, find all my other work on uh, Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, pretty simple there. And I appreciate, as always, Chase, being able to Come on here and talk with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. Lauren should be back next week as well to get the the trio back as a group. But uh, Corbin, you have yourself a great rest of your weekend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the NBA Sunday Shootaround Edition here on the February 28th edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, thank you again to Corbin Ford for coming on today's show. Uh, and Lauren Gunn again will be back next week. But uh, yeah, great NBA stuff uh, on today's show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please do make sure you leave this episode a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can email the show, uh, any NBA questions, general questions about the show, uh, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, new episode coming tomorrow and every day because there's a new episode every day on this feed. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss it. YouTube.com, chase Thomas podcast. Subscribe there. You can watch every episode as well. Uh, all right. Uncle Derek, how did I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.